Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to an NFC Championship edition of Believe in 49ers, presented by the Believe Podcast Network and Bet Online. I am your host, Tommy Call III. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy underscore III. That is triple I for the third, and you can catch all of my written work about the 49ers via USA Today's Niners Wire. You already knew that, though. That's not why you're here. You are here to celebrate a Super Bowl berth. Congrats, 49ers fans. You are headed to the Super Bowl. After another uncomfortable roller coaster comeback win in Santa Clara over Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions, the 49ers have officially punched their ticket to the big dance. Is it called the big dance? You know, as, as I was writing this rundown for the podcast, I was kind of trying to think of different nicknames to use instead of the Super Bowl. But I think it says enough Super Bowl. The 49ers are headed to the Super Bowl. And they will be meeting a familiar foe, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, a rematch from four years ago in Miami. Woo, doggy. I mean, when I first signed on to do Believe in 49ers this year, and if you've been with us since, you know, training camp started, when I first started recording this podcast, did I think the 49ers would make the Super Bowl? I mean, in all honesty, probably not. I mean, I thought the timeline was a little early, especially with just, I wasn't necessarily convinced, and I'm not afraid to say that, of Brock Purdy. I didn't know what a full you know, 18-week season of Brock Purdy would absolutely look like. And sure enough, here we are. The 49ers are one win away from their sixth NFC, not NFC, sixth NFL championship. And it's just a wild ride. It's just an absolutely wild ride. I think Sunday's win over the Lions encapsulated that. I mean, very. It was just a really wonky, weird, unexpected game. And you know, now, regardless of all of that, regardless of all the the criticism and and uh, skepticism around Purdy and the 49ers, if they could do it, they they did it. They are here now, one game away, and they have the chance to get revenge over the Chiefs. Rewrite. Jimmy Garoppolo's missed throw to Emmanuel Sanders at the end of the game. It's just that image stays with me when I think of 49ers versus Chiefs. But today on the podcast, we're going to talk a lot about the 49ers' second comeback win of the postseason. We're going to dive into that comeback with some thoughts on some players that stood out and some players that struggled. As we wrap up the podcast, I'll share some initial thoughts on the Chiefs. And later this week, just want to tease ahead, we're going to actually look a little bit at the Senior Bowl. And the NFL draft, one of the NFL's, you know, most fun weeks is down in Mobile, Alabama, currently going on. I've been lucky enough to go to three senior bowls. Um, and it's just something I always like to talk about, but we're going to talk about that on another podcast because today is a celebration. Today we are going to talk about the 49ers comeback win over the Detroit Lions. But before we dig into that into this episode. I have a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online. It is playoff time and the road to Vegas goes through San Francisco and Baltimore. Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, 
trends and lines with everything from point spread to hundreds of player performance props. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. Let's go. The podcast starts here. That's how you know it after you hear from our buddies over at Bet Online. But, you know, let's dive into this because <laughs> it was one of the more uncomfortable performances of the season from the San Francisco 49ers. It was a weird game, and I just want to be honest about it. And my first feeling, the first thing I have written down here when my note from the game is just luck. And let's just be honest, through the first two quarters, the 49ers got absolutely outplayed. Ben Johnson outcoached Steve Wilkes, in my opinion. The 49ers' offense had no juice. Brock looked off again. The 49ers dug themselves into such a deep hole, it felt like the season was over. I honestly felt like I should start writing my post-game story about the 49ers' season coming to an end. They were trailing by 17, but it felt like 30, just because of how strong the Lions looked. I mean, the 49ers couldn't tackle anybody. Offensively, they looked flat, and they looked like they were being outcoached. And when a team gets into a situation like that, it takes more than just playing well in the second half to win that game. And, you know, looking back at that performance, all I can think about is all the little things, all the weird little things that broke the 49ers' way for them to win that game. The fourth down stops. Jameer Gibbs putting the ball on the ground. Multiple crucial drops and big moments from Lions wide receivers. Risky play calling from Dan Campbell. And, you know, I wanted to share with you guys, I saw on Twitter or wherever it was, somebody called, maybe this is a known thing, it was the first time that I saw it, but I saw somebody called Dan Campbell, Dan Gamble, and now I really can't call him anything else because that's just an amazing nickname. But back to, you know, this sense of kind of luck. I mean, Brandon Ayuk's catch, arguably the biggest play of the game, was a pass from Brock Purdy that rattled off a Lions defensive back's face mask and into the diving hands of Ayuk. However, you know, what I'm getting at is being lucky is part of sports. You need a little bit of that to win some of these games. And all great teams have a lucky streak in them. And I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm more so crediting the 49ers' ability for, you know, the skill set of luck. Like Purdy, for example. He had a few errant passes that could have been turnovers, including the pass to Ayuk. Well, you know, if you look at quarterbacks around the league, and we talk about something like interceptable passes, and Purdy's been a guy that's under a microscope, under a magnifying glass in terms of criticism. And anytime he looks a little shaky, the the narrative begins of like, oh, here we go. Well, if you look around the NFL, you know, the league leaders in something, a, a simple stat like interceptable passes are always guys like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, some of the top quarterbacks around the NFL. I mean, this season, the leader in interceptable passes was Sam Howell. Yikes, that's not a good look, not a good comparison. But, you know, the, in the top five was rounded out by Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Tua. Um, you know, all good passers. And just in my opinion, everything broke the 49ers' way that needed to break their way. And they absolutely capitalized. I'm not saying luck and things breaking their way is the only way the 49ers are punching their ticket to the Super Bowl. But, you know, being lucky is just part of sports and 
you know, having kind of, you know, the good, the good vibes, the momentum on your way. And I think, you know, there's so many people out there that want to talk about sports and get on their high horse. And I argue with my dad about this a lot. I don't understand how you could watch that game specifically and say momentum doesn't factor into sports. You know, if you need an example, watch Lions versus 49ers, because I think you could headline that game about momentum swinging because everything was going right for the Lions. It seems like they could not have been stopped and everything changed for me. I think the biggest moment, biggest sequence, you can even talk about the biggest play of the game wasn't the Brandon Ayuk catch. It was in the third quarter when the Lions initially went for it on fourth down. The first fourth down attempt in the second half. They got ran all over all game, and the 49ers just had no juice. They had no swagger, nothing to stand on, no business to stand on. Well, that fourth down stop really provided a spark. I mean, it felt like the 49ers' first kind of win of the game. Josh Reynolds couldn't come up with that catch, and things just changed. At the time, obviously, the Lions had a big cushion still, but with that stop, the crowd woke up in Santa Clara, and the 49ers marched right down the field and scored. And then the following possession, Gibbs fumbles, and the rest is kind of history. You know, and I think a lack of, I mean, I think a combination of luck, momentum, and just flat-out experience won this game for the 49ers. The 49ers looked like a team that has been there before, and it massively massively paid off in my opinion and I, I just wanted to mention that on the podcast because it that win in my opinion wasn't ex, you know easily defined as hey you know the four ers came out in the second half Kyle Shanahan great had a great halftime speech and they just turned things around I don't think it was that simple I mean I think a lot broke their way and they absolutely capitalized and that's what great teams do that's what Super Bowl um teams do is you know they have to kind of capitalize on that moments and experienced teams especially I mean it was the first time I don't know if you guys feel the same way but it's the first time in all these trips so there's like they've been to four trips in five years to the NFC championship it felt like the first time that the 49ers were kind of the bully they were the experienced team because you could always kind of credit back to who they were playing last year was Purdy he obviously got hurt early but you know young quarterback type of thing it seemed like the 49ers absolutely knew what they were doing and were comfortable in a situation to come back. But that's just kind of my rant for the day. So now let's dive into some player evaluations from the NFC Championship, starting with signal caller Brock Purdy. I mean, falling down 17, the 49ers couldn't lean on Christian McCaffrey trailing by much. They couldn't lean on you know short passes behind the line of scrimmage they could they didn't need a a game manager or a system quarterback they needed a franchise quarterback and brock purdy absolutely delivered purdy was nails in the second half after throwing a pick on 7 of 15 passing in the first half purdy was 13 of 16 in the second half for 174 yards and a touchdown strike to brandon Ayuk. yes i was just critical of the 51-yard gain to IU, calling it, you know, lucky or whatever. It went off Kendall Wilder's dome. But, I mean, he gave his guy a shot with that pass. The 49ers desperately needed, you know, a little bit of juice, a shot in the arm. And that pass, even if it, you know, 
wasn't perfect. It absolutely sparked something. And having a quarterback that's willing to risk it, putting the football down the field and giving his team a chance, that's what the 49ers needed in that second half. They didn't need somebody who was scared of throwing another interception and wanted to check everything down, get complacent, you know, stay underneath the sticks. They needed to stretch this game out. They needed to wake that crowd up. And that pass to Ayuk obviously did that. I mean, if the 49ers do end up winning the Super Bowl, I think that's a catch. That's a play that you kind of start the Super Bowl DVD with. Um, no, it probably starts in Philadelphia last year when Purdy's getting hurt. I think that's how you know you start the DVD. But, it, I mean, that catch obviously is going to be something that's talked about, reactions from people all over. And, I, you know, I just don't know what else there is to be critical of Purdy anymore. Because anytime there's doubt, anytime there's criticism, all the little things you can pick at his game, he just kind of delivers. He really shoves it. And I've obviously been a fan of Purdy all season long, if you've listened to this podcast. But one of the things you could say about him is, hey, you know, they don't like playing behind. Well, it's like two weeks in a row in the biggest moments of the season, with literally the season hanging in the balance. He's absolutely delivered. And you know, however, now he's got one final boss to go through before he can really kind of level up, and that is Patrick Mahomes in two weeks, a whole another monster. But before we move on past Purdy, I mean, I have to mention his running performance. You know, almost more clutch than any pass he made. Purdy's running was such a factor in this game, and especially in like certain moments, it was beyond impressive in my opinion because we just haven't Obviously, Purdy's an athletic quarterback, you know? He's not just going to stand in the pocket and if he gets flushed out. But, I mean, his scrambling was very impressive in this game. And it's just another thing now that Steve Spagnuolo and the Chiefs defense will have to prepare for. I mean, teams will need to respect Purdy's running ability going forward. And if you don't, he will continue to hurt them, especially on third down. And then, you know... If the defense has to use a spy or extra coverage on Purdy specifically, I think it's going to take some pressure off the box and open up the middle of the field, a place where you know Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey absolutely thrive. And I think it was just a really interesting factor, uh, facet to that game. In my opinion, Purdy as a runner, I mean, he had three runs for 52 yards, and all three of those went for a first down. Absolute backbreakers for the Lions defense. I mean, that's something... Not to compare the two, but I mean, that is something that whenever I'm watching a game and preparing to go up against Patrick Mahomes, I always am in the back of my head. I'm like, this guy just kills teams with running at the opportune time. I mean, I don't think of Patrick Mahomes as a dual threat quarterback by any means, but he absolutely takes what defenses give them and kills them with these long runs in certain moments. And Purdy, I mean, has kind of adopted a little piece of that to his game. And I think it's something that other teams are just going to have to prepare for now. And with so many, you know, weapons on the 49ers offense, so much to prepare for. Whether you want to talk about the different guys, you know, across the board, the different stars across the board. I think defense have to respect his legs now. And it's just another thing, like I said defensive coordinators will have to prepare for um you know on the negative side of this game something that's kind of shined through through two weeks in the playoffs now is is the run defense and it's it's turned into a concern 
For the second straight week, the 49ers got cut up on the ground. Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery ran all over the 49ers. Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead were very quiet, especially in the first half. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw had you know, to continually clean up tackles at the second level. On the first drive of the game, the Lions, Lions used the speed of Jamison Williams on the end around. And Nick Bosa absolutely bit on the inside run fake, and Williams was able to burst around the edge and run for that long touchdown, kind of set the tone early. The Lions averaged 6.3 yards per carry while rushing for over 130 yards on the ground. While things tightened up in the second half behind, you know, Javon Kenlaw, who I think deserves a big shout out, one of his best performances as a member of the 49ers, and so is Chase Young. While the numbers haven't been there necessarily in the pass rush, getting sacks, I thought he made some solid plays in the run game. One of his better performances as a 49er. But overall, it is concerning this trend with the run defense. And, you know, I won't be surprised if the Chiefs try and test the 49ers on the ground early in the Super Bowl. I think if, you know, you're watching these two playoff games and you go, how do you beat the 49ers? I think hitting the ground game early and often has definitely been, you know, a, a question mark. It's It's been something that has hurt the 49ers. And this Chiefs team is different than the team they had four years ago where Tyreek Hill's running all over the field and they want to spread things out. I mean, the Chiefs have gotten to the Super Bowl by being a more physical team with the running game. Isaiah Pacheco. I love the way he runs, too. It's so funny. It's so funny. It, it does remind you of, like, the really fast, angry, good athlete in like fourth grade. Um, by the way, he stomps around like that. But I mean, it's something the 49ers are absolutely going to have to tighten up because if they have to tighten things up in the box in that front seven specifically to kind of bear down on the run game, I don't want to go one on one with Patrick Mahomes versus the 49ers secondary. I think it's, uh, you know, that right there is is scary and just straight up the 49ers front seven has to be better because we've seen this team lock up the run game it's not like it's been a problem all season long it's been a problem for two weeks specifically and so they just have to button down i mean obviously the second half was a step in the right direction but i think if you're looking at ways to hurt the 49ers in the super bowl it's going to be you know the run defense um moving on i thought one player I have to actually absolutely mention is George Kittle. And you might kind of be scratching your head right now because obviously he was quiet in the passing game. He had some big catches down the stretch uh, to kind of get going, but wasn't a dominant George Kittle game in terms of statistics. But he was such a monster in the run game on the edge. I mean, it's never really a good idea at the NFL level to put your tight end on an edge defender of the caliber of Aiden Hutchinson, but Kittle absolutely mauled him. I mean, he suffered a toe injury in that game against the Lions, so I was shocked if he was limited in any way in the Super Bowl. It's something to monitor. But right now, up and down as a pass catcher, as a run blocker, as a tight end, one of the best positions in football, he's kind of playing his best football right now in my opinion and showed on Sunday especially as a blocker the 49ers needed him because Hutchinson is a dog I mean he, he is problematic he is disruptive and like I said Kyle Shanahan opted to throw George Kittle on him which you'd think might be a mismatch for 31 other teams in the NFL but Kittle just man 
Uh, there are some blocks he had on him. I wrote about a little bit of it for, uh, for Niners Wire, if you want to see that, and highlighted some of his blocks. Uh, there's some videos of it, but, I mean, he is absolutely pancaking dudes on the edge. And, uh, you know, just kind of setting the tone, bringing that, that swagger that we've known, that we've come to see from the 49ers offense. Um, another unit, we just got a couple more uh, positions, uh, position groups and players I want to talk about here before we wrap things up from the NFC Championship and kind of look ahead to the Chiefs really quickly. Um, the defensive line, and, you know, I understand Bosa had a couple sacks, like we talked about Chase Young and uh, Javon Kenlaw performed pretty well, but, you know, as star-powered, specifically, of a roster as the 49ers have, I mean, it's like a Pro Bowl roster from top to bottom. You know, what do you think, what do you think, talking to you right now what do you think is the best unit on that team i'm talking about positions i know what my answer is and i know it's not wide receivers it's not linebackers it's not running backs with christian mahaffrey it is defensive line and through two playoff games i just want to be honest it's been a bit underwhelming and i know that sounds ultra critical because bosa obviously had two sacks i just praised chase young and javon kinlaw in the run game earlier but I guess I'm just waiting for that truly dominant game from them and where the quarterback's kind of running all over the field, the team's racking up multiple sacks, and that defensive line is just a real factor. I wouldn't list them as one of the reasons the 49ers won the game, the defensive line's impact. Jared Goff looked like a different player. He looked like Jared Goof when they pressured him. And that's not some crazy you know, football take. That's, that's obvious. I just think the 49ers could be, you know, could kind of press the gas a little bit on the defensive line. Um, I think I just haven't felt that yet in the postseason. And they've been disruptive, but they haven't been dominant. And for such a star-studded group, very expensive. I think they need to be dominant, not disruptive, dominant for the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. And I think, you know, Nick Bosa needs to have a couple sacks. I think you need to get Chase Young on the board. Interior pressure behind Eric Armstead, who's had an amazing season. Javon Kenlaw, who's had an amazing season. Been one of my favorite players to watch on the 49ers defense this year. Um, I think with those four guys, and you talk about rotating in Javon Kenlaw, there's an expectation that that's going to be the best unit on the field, that that's going to be a, a group, uh, a mismatch every single time in every game. And the Chiefs' offensive line is obviously pretty darn solid. We talk about the Tyreek Hill trade. That's one of the things they kind of, moving on from Tyreek, they, you know, really upgraded that defense. They really upgraded that offensive line. Um, but it's no secret, if you're going to give Mahomes a lot of time back there, he can pick you apart. I mean, this guy is the best quarterback in football um, by us. <laughs> relatively significant margin on top of that so letting him stand back there with no pressure i mean is going to be very very scary for the 49ers um so i think the defensive line is something that i'm going to be putting a lot of pressure on over the next two weeks because if that defensive line is clicking and they are getting to mahomes i like the 49ers chances i like i like where they sit against the chiefs um all right, two more players I want to mention before we get out of here and move on past the Lions. 
One is Debo Samuel. You know, I said this a lot on the podcast, but there's just really no player. I'm going to keep saying it. There's no really no player, well, non-quarterback, that shines in big moments like Debo Samuel does. He just shows up in big games. He is a big game player. And I know you might be like, it's not like he had some amazing special moment. It was Brandon Ayuk that obviously came up with the catch of the game. Well, you know, when things got wonky for the 49ers, they absolutely leaned on Debo down the stretch. In the second half, he was targeted six times, catching all six passes. And it seemed like every time he caught the football in his hands, he was either cutting back to get extra yards, making a player lip miss, just a different level of swagger that not many teams have. And Debo's just different, and in these big prime game time games, it shows. You know, I mentioned the Senior Bowl earlier, and that I want to talk about it on another podcast. I actually got to meet Debo Samuel. I think this was, what was it, before that Super Bowl run four years ago uh, when he was drafted to the 49ers. I was actually there in Mobile. I got to sit down and talk with Debo a couple times because heading into that week, he was my favorite player um, that was going to be there. And so I was obviously kind of singing his praise uh, a little bit early. A little pat, pat on the back, a little shout out there to myself. But... I love Devo, and uh, I was looking back on my phone and have some cool interviews, some cool pictures with him and everything, and he obviously just cut dudes up there, and he, you knew he was different. Um, you knew he was different right then and there. The first time I saw him on the field, I was like, this guy's just, he's just an alpha is the best way to describe it, and it just, it shows in these big games. I, I think that, you know, we are witnessing just one of the better, I've used this comparison before, but you talk about guys who just shine in big moments in the NFL versus like the NBA where you talk about big game players like Kobe Bryant is one that turns up that talks about clutch and Mariano Rivera as a closer. Um, Debo Samuel has, you know, a sprinkle of those guys where it's just these big moments. He just shines. Uh, and we're the 49ers are going to need him again in, in, uh, in two weeks in Las Vegas. Uh, Lastly, uh, before we talk about the you know the Chiefs and the Super Bowl, I just want to mention the kicker, Jake Moody. It's still a concern. I know Moody finished the game strong, but these misses are just becoming way too consistent, and it feels like one of the biggest question marks hanging over the 49ers heading into the Super Bowl is Moody, and that is a problem because you obviously use a high draft pick on this guy and having a hot kicker. Harrison Butker has been nails. He's looking like an all-pro kicker down the stretch here. Feels like he hasn't missed in forever. Well, Moody's kind of the opposite of that. And I'm not saying that he's, you know, going to lose them the Super Bowl, but in t- two and a half weeks, if we're talking about what went wrong, it seems like Moody could be at the top of the list. And that's just a, that's just a scary question mark to have. Um, all right, moving on to the Chiefs. Uh, Obviously, over the next two weeks, we're going to have a lot of time to talk about the Chiefs. It feels like the Super Bowl is a month away. But initially, when the 49ers are um, set to meet up with the Chiefs, here's some of my first thoughts on the game and how to kind of stop them. When thinking about the Chiefs, think of Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey. It kind of seems like the same team, the same core minus Tyreek and an upgraded defense. But it's a pretty similar group from the 49ers lost to them four, four years ago. Well, you flip it on the other side, and the 49ers are quite different. And a lot of that has to do with Brock Kurt Purdy, but even more so, 
Christian McCaffrey, a guy we haven't talked about once today. You know, I think he's a key in this one, and I know he that's a very easy answer, but we haven't seen that heavy dose of Christian McCaffrey uh, I think 49er fans are used to. I think a lot is because the 49ers have been chasing comebacks in the first in their first two playoff games. Well, I just don't think that'll fly uh, against KC. I think the first opening drive for the 49ers will be incredibly important. I think starting strong is absolutely critical, and I know that's super cliche and super basic, but riding McCaffrey, playing keep away from Mahomes, and making him pass while kind of unleashing that pass rush, not having to worry about them pounding the run because you have a lead and worrying about them playing catch-up, I think that's kind of the recipe to beat the Chiefs versus getting into one of these shootouts, getting into another comeback situation. Um, You know, yes, Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy have shown the ability to win games from behind and complete comebacks, but, I mean, is that comfortable? Do they play better that way? Maybe not. I mean, I would would want to shy away from that. Uh, You look back on the regular season at the biggest moments, the 49ers have been so dominant as a regular season team. And, you know, when they get rolling early behind McCaffrey, it just opens up the offense, the game specifically. I think leaning on McCaffrey in this one, one of the best players in football, um, could be just a recipe to beat the Chiefs. And, you know, we're going to talk a lot about KC. That's just a drop in the bucket for now. But for now, let's celebrate the NFC championship and before we get out of here you know i just want to mention something to you i just want to let the believe in 49ers listen listeners know about your boy here me how much i've been grinding and kind of my place on the 49ers run to another super bowl uh i you know your boy i'm looking for a little pat on the back here because uh my first experience ever covering the 49ers was uh for them was with 95.7 The Game in San Francisco, a radio station. I'm sure a lot of you in the, here in the Bay Area are familiar with it. I kind of served as one of, there was a couple of us, but I was like the writer. I wrote for our website, um, and then I did a little bit of stuff on some of the post-game shows and some of the shows throughout the week. Uh, I was on scene uh, for every single game, uh, some practices, training camp, things like that. It was around the building a lot. It was a great experience. The 49ers as an organization were amazing. Well, my last time working for them, the last time I was there with 95.7 at least as a member of the media was uh, the NFC Championship game where Raheem Mostert ran all over the Packers, got to go on the field. It was super dope. Well, that was my last season with the Niners until this year. When USA Today's Niners Wild, shout out, shout out to Ka- Kyle Madsen. I don't know why I said his name all weird there. Uh, Kyle Madsen. And Believe brought me on the board to talk about the 49ers here with you guys and obviously write about them with USA Today. Would you look at that another trip to the Super Bowl? Just saying, is it me? Can I take some credit here? Am I the good luck charm? Is it just me having some takes on the 49ers that gives them some juice to get to the Super Bowl? Maybe, probably, definitely. Do you guys think, my last question for you guys, and I'll leave you this. Do you guys think, do the listeners out there think that if the 49ers win, that I will get a ring? Do you think they will acknowledge my good luck charm? Because I wasn't there in Miami. 
I wasn't big time enough to go to Miami for the Super Bowl yet. I was at home. And I covered the game from home. Was that the problem? Was that the missing factor? Was it me not being there? Because I was there for a lot of the other 49ers wins. I was there for every one of their home games. I don't know. I don't know. So do you guys think I'll get a ring if they win the Super Bowl? Maybe again. Probably. Definitely. I don't know. All right. Well, I'll leave you with that on the NFC Championship edition of Believe in 49ers presented by Bet Online. Stay tuned and make sure you subscribe because it is Senior Bowl time, folks. Again, one of just the best weekends in the NFL. I would absolutely 100 out of 100 times suggest going out to Mobile for a Senior Bowl. It's just elite access. Um, it's one of the few times just a fan, a regular person can kind of feel like an insider. You're walking around. There's Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, general managers, coaches, players, just all walking around. You go get a beer after practice, and it, the bars around Mobile are just packed with NFL personnel from top to bottom. It's a really, really unique experience. Uh, really fun. Like I said, I've been lucky enough to go to three in my day, and it's just always a blast. And so uh, later in the week, I'm hitting up a friend in the scouting industry, and he's going to kind of l- let us know a little bit. I'll have a special guest on the podcast later in the week to talk about some draft stuff, the Senior Bowl, and also he's going to give me some of his takes on the Super Bowl. I'm very excited about all of that. Hit me on Twitter if you want to talk more ball. Got a take on a player for the NFL draft or a good prop bet, you know I'll always ride with my Believe in 49ers listeners. We didn't even get to complain about the Golden State Warriors in this one. So if you want to talk about the Warriors while you wait over these next two weeks for some 49ers football being back, you know I'm here for me. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy underscore III, but you already knew that. You already follow. And thank you for that. Lastly, thank you to our sponsor, Bet Online. I will see you soon. Believe in 49ers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.